Welcome to the Comic Sauce Podcast, where we talk comics and comics culture, presented by Cape and Cowl Comics. I am Henry Liu, and today I am joined by Porfirio Rangel. Porfirio, how are you? I'm doing fine, Henry. It's an awesome day for the Year of the Geek, I just want to say. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, there's a lot to look forward to, and I'm just excited to be here. Yeah. There is a lot of anticipation at this very moment because today is Sunday, April 14th, 2019. It's uh, early evening, so basically what's happening tonight is the premiere of the final episodes of Game of Thrones. So we're not going to talk about Game of Thrones too much today, but it should be noted that the premiere is today and a lot of people are talking about it. And in addition to that, a lot of people are talking about Avengers Endgame. Yeah, so that's that's what's happening in the world of geek right now. Game of Thrones and Endgame, right? Yeah, exactly. So it begs the question, why the heck are you and I doing an entire episode about DC today? <laughs> right? Why, of all the times to do it, why are we doing it right now? Well, I'll run down a few reasons. Number one, the Shazam movie just came out. So that's timely, right? That's worth noting. Um, and it also came out to a lot of positive reviews, right? So um, that's worth noting. Number two, with the Endgame stuff, we're, we're going to get to the Endgame stuff. Trust me. <laughs> so, I mean, basically the next two full episodes, we're going to do all Avengers Endgame. Basically, one's going to be like a preview episode, and then we're going to do a full-on recap. Yeah, so that's all coming. Um, so no need to like add to that hype train, right? We're going to get there. Uh, number three. Oh, Game of Thrones. Yeah. So with all the Game of Thrones hype right now, it's all hype, right? There hasn't been a new episode aired yet, so there really isn't a whole lot to talk about yet, right? Uh, so that can wait as well. But uh, the number four reason, I think, is the most significant it's important, you know? Um, so from the perspective of the two of us who are Marvel diehard fanboys, no question, correct? Exactly, yes. Uh, so from this perspective, I think it's a, I don't know, kind of a, a strong statement for us to do a DC love episode at this time you know, we're, we're, we're putting Game of Thrones and Endgame on pause to give a huge shout out to the other side, to DC, yeah? Um, and we live in a decisive, sorry, in a divisive culture. And uh, I think the world needs more of this, you know, love for the other side, right? <laughs> uh -huh. So we're going to do just that. Uh, specifically, we're going to talk about the new Shazam movie, and um, looking back, we're also going to talk about the movie that really started it all, Superman the movie. 
So uh, we're going to focus on these two films. It's kind of a nice book ending of the DC movie universe, right? Um, but before we do that, I thought maybe we'd just talk sort of informally about DC stuff that we like, mm-hmm. right? I think this yeah. will kind of further the point that even though we're Marvel heads here, um, that doesn't necessarily mean we hate all things DC, right? Um, so other than Shazam, which I know you enjoyed and you will get into uh, in depth, uh, what other DC things are you a fan of? Um for the movies, I really love the Wonder Woman movie. Yes. That was phenomenal for just like a superheroine to just be on the big screen and own the presence. Like she wasn't, Wonder Woman wasn't a damsel in distress or anything or a second secondary character. She owned her movie and everything in that movie was just great. Like I... You know, like we said, we're big Marvel fans. I love that movie a lot better than Captain Marvel. Yeah, I did too. I liked Wonder Woman more than Captain Marvel. I don't think I loved Wonder Woman quite as much as you, but I really enjoyed it a lot. I liked it a lot. And um, yes, I thought it was better than Captain Marvel. And, you know, maybe more importantly, what you're saying, it's... uh, a big landmark of a movie, yeah. right? We mm-hmm. we really never saw anything quite like this movie before it came out, and uh, yeah, definitely that that's a huge one. The Wonder Woman movie just came out a couple years ago, and uh, it's definitely worth noting. Mm-hmm. I mean, what else I like from DC is Aquaman. That was that one was fun. It was a fun movie. You could we did a review about it last year. Yeah, um, I think we both were on the same page. We were like, it's fun. It's cool. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about same page because I really didn't like that movie. Uh, but it has to be noted that that is another victory for DC. You know, that movie made a lot of movie. Uh, a lot, a lot of, <laughs> a lot of a lot, made a lot of movie. It was pretty long, <laughs> but it, it made a lot of money. But it also was received pretty well critically. Um, so... You know, another, like, uh, thing worth noting about the timeliness of talking about DC right now, DC's kind of on the comeback trail, right? I think after Justice League, it was all negativity, doom and gloom. But uh, with Aquaman and Shazam now, they're picking up some steam. I think uh, they're kind of on the right path. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I definitely agree. I think like right now what Warner Brothers is doing with the DC Extended Universe is they're starting to pick up and you know, get good with the movies that that they haven't been able to capitalize in the past years with like Batman versus Superman, Justice League. Um, I mean, they got the Joker movie coming out l- later this year. Yeah. And based on the trailer alone, I am just intrigued by how Joaquin Phoenix is going to be portrayed as Joker. Yeah, so again, a lot of uh, positivity in the DC movie world. Um, But you know, it's not just movies. We've been talking exclusively movies so far. Um, I want to talk about some of the comics, you know. Um, In my time as a comics reader, 
I skew heavily Marvel, uh, but I've read some DC comics in my day, and I have to call out a few of them. Uh, one is Batman Year One, which I think is phenomenal, written by Frank Miller and illustrated by David uh, Mazzuchelli. Um, really awesome, you know. Uh, I think that comic series really paved the way for Batman Begins. Batman Begins was kind of the movie version of that comic series. I mean, they were quite different, but I think um, it used a lot of the strengths of that comic um, effectively, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so that I got to call out. Um, the Watchmen comics, uh, we've talked about this before, but I love Watchmen, mm -hmm. and uh, that is, um, it's just, it, it's a classic, you know. Um, the original series from Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons. Also, the follow-up stuff, you know. The, the follow-up stuff has been kind of divisive in the fan communities, uh, but I love, before Watchmen, I love... Uh, uh, what I've read so far of uh, Doomsday Clock, well, maybe not love, <laughs> but I, 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 I've enjoyed it. Um, so that's great. Uh, Preacher. Preacher is DC as well. It's Vertigo, which is an imprint of DC, but I love Preacher. The Preacher comics are great. The Preacher TV show is really great. Uh, so, yeah, that, that's, uh, that, that, it's, it's not just all Marvel all the time. It's just, Put it that way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, any other uh, DC items you want to call on before we move on to our movie reviews? Yeah, sure. Just a couple TV shows. Batman the Animated Series. Mm, that was yeah. phenomenal. I mean, when I first started getting into comics, I watched the X-Men Animated Series, Spider-Man. Batman was one of them I watched. And then I kind of joined that... Um, battlefield of fanboys like you're either team marvel or team dc so i kind of stopped watching the batman animators but i mean now looking back i just want to point out how great it was cool and right there's oh, oh um lucifer that tv show okay um it's based off the sandman comics okay which is part of vertigo also okay and um yeah i love that show it's really awesome Right on. Okay, so before we move on, you know, I was just thinking it's kind of interesting that, you know, people tend to have this us versus them mentality. You know, just because we love Marvel, it almost is like we have to hate DC, you know? Mm -hmm. I, and I kind of get it. You know, I, it's been kind of fun to watch the Marvel Studios movies be so incredibly successful and watch a lot of these DC movies fail. Now, there, there's definitely kind of a, a weird pleasure from that. <laughs> I mean, either, there, there's no questioning that. Uh, but, you know, I, I'm just curious, like, why, why do you think there is that? thing you know that us versus them thing and and uh picking sides you know do you, you have any thoughts on that i mean i i think it's just uh, it's like 
feel like that's the way like business is kind of marketed I don't, I don't know or maybe it's just like a fanboy geeky thing i mean you have like star wars or star trek yeah and exactly. i mean the two they're the same thing but they're never like pitting each other against themselves or anything yeah um what's a, another big one um apparently harry potter or game of thrones is one Oh, is that a thing? I guess so. I've been, <laughs> like, ever, ever since, like, I've been, like, catching up on all the promotions on Game of Thrones, I've been reading a lot of stuff that's, like, you're either a Potterhead or you're a Game of Thrones fan. <laughs> I'm like, I didn't know that was a thing. See, that one doesn't really make any sense to yeah. me because one is kids-oriented and the other is adult-oriented, uh-huh. right? So how can you really compare? You know, maybe, like, a, I don't know, Lord of the Rings and Game of Thrones, maybe that's more appropriate. I don't know. Uh-huh. But I think, I don't know, it's just, I feel like it's somewhere in geek culture that's just, you can't love everything, I guess. You have to choose sides. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and like I said, I get it. It's kind of fun to pick sides and sort of celebrate your victories and stuff. But uh, today, we're going to let all that go aside, you know. We're going to try to be 100% positive about DC stuff today. And, um, you know, I think it's worth showing that uh, just because you love Marvel, it doesn't necessarily mean you have to hate all things DC. You know, you can maybe pick and choose a handful of things, maybe many things. Uh, but uh, to say outright, like, I hate everything that DC puts out, it's kind of ridiculous, right? Um, because, like we've said, there's a lot of cool shit that DC puts out, and um, we're going to get into some more here, yeah? Yeah, today we got nothing but love for DC. Nothing but love, exactly. Okay, so let's start where DC movies really launched yeah and you could argue superhero movies period Mm -hmm. launched right superman the movie so this film came out in 1978 so that's 41 years ago and uh, again i think it's a nice bookend with the shazam movie which is what you're going to talk about uh, in a little bit but yeah we're talking like 40 years of dc movies essentially starting with Superman and uh, the latest installment being Shazam. And, um, man, yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're, we're doing this, not just because of what we've talked about, you know, the whole, like, showing love for the other side thing, um, but um, I've always wanted to talk about this movie, period. You know, I think I've talked about it in bits and pieces here and there, but just to do a full-on... Uh, rant on it because I love this movie and um, yes I am a Marvel diehard but this movie is near and dear to my heart Um, a lot of it is nostalgia you know we talked about nostalgia before Mm -hmm. and um, you know with Star Wars movies and other stuff you know Uh, so that's definitely part of it I grew up watching this movie over and over yeah so it's part of my upbringing really and it 
should be noted that it molded my tendency and passion for comics and superheroes and all these things, right? Uh, so it's very influential in my life. Um, that said, I just recently, very recently, this past week, I recently watched Superman, the movie Special Edition, which I hadn't watched properly ever before, right? Um, so I uh, I'll, let me run it, run it down a bit. So the, the, the history on this movie and the different versions of this movie are kind of complicated. I made some notes here, and I'm not even 100% sure if what I'm about to say is completely accurate, but this is my best take at it. So what's out there is essentially three versions of this movie. Okay, so I mentioned the movie released in 1978. So that is what's known as the theatrical or original cut of the movie, mm-hmm. yeah? So, again, that movie was released in 1978. It has, has a runtime of two hours and 23 minutes. That's pretty long. It's pretty long, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, but it gets longer <laughs> because <laughs> in the year 2000, there was a quote-unquote special edition released, also known as the director's cut of Superman the movie, the director being Richard Donner. So this was just a little bit longer. It was eight minutes longer, so clocking it at two hours and 31 minutes. And then pretty recently, this was in the year 2017, just two years ago, they released the extended edition in some circles known as the TV edition. This one clocks in at a whopping three hours and eight minutes. And kind of controversial because the original director, Richard Donner, uh, was very vocal about being like a hater (laughs) for this cut of the movie. Basically, he said that this movie was like, it had all the stuff that they originally left on the cutting room floor. It was like taken out on purpose and all this filler Uh, was added in and it really didn't belong in the movie yeah Uh, so again kind of controversial and I mentioned it is known in some circles as the TV edition the reason why I say that is because at some point I think in the 80s they ran this movie as a three-hour TV event Um, that's when they added a lot of this stuff in there so that that footage was saved and was subsequently released in 2017 as this extended edition. Um, but it could be argued that it had just all this like stuff that wasn't intended to be in the film. It was just it was just like um, extraneous mm-hmm. material, right? Um, so I should say that I have really properly watched the original version. I've properly watched the special edition just recently, like I said, this past week. I haven't properly watched the extended version, uh, so I shouldn't shouldn't trash the extended edition, but it does sound like it was just kind of this cashing in where it's like, oh, we got the the full-length cut. But Richard Donner himself said that it was never meant to be released. This was like stuff they filmed, but Just, he, he uh, never wanted it to get out there. Um, and I've heard like 
a lot of negativity. And look, any movie that's three hours plus, you kind of got to wonder, like, do you really need to see all this? Uh, so I'll just leave it at that. I'm not going to talk too much more about that version because, like I said, I really haven't properly seen it. I am going to talk about the special edition because I just watched this and um, I think it's great. Yeah, like I've for a long time loved the original edition. So I was curious. I was like, oh shit, there's a special edition? Like, how how's this go? Uh, so let me talk about what is in the special edition that's not in the original version. Uh-huh. So like I said, it was just eight minutes longer, right? So what could they have added, right? So what they added was a few things, but most significantly two scenes. Uh, well, before I go on, I'm curious, have you, Perfurio, seen Superman the movie? That's what I was going to ask, if you could give like a rundown, because I've never <laughs> seen, never seen it. it. Okay. Uh <laughs> So I, I can do a quick rundown. It's yeah. a pretty basic plot. I mean, the only thing I could think of for a basic rundown is Superman saves Lois Lane, but that's all I know. I, I don't know. Just, yeah, give me a quick rundown. You know, Perfurio, if you're going to have a short one-sentence description of the movie, you just nailed it. <laughs> Superman saves Lois Lane. Period. That's about it. Uh, but, yeah, I'll go through it real quickly. But uh, before I do that... Um, I highly recommend you watch this movie. Okay. As a superhero, super fan, and particularly superhero movies, super fan. It's a uh, must. It's like kind of must see (laughs) uh, type shit, you know? Uh Uh, So let me just say that. Um, But yeah, okay. So what's the movie about? Um, This is the Superman story. And it is uh, the Superman story from the very beginning. It is an origin story. And um, it is also uh, about Superman after he becomes Superman. So for a lot of the movie, so like the first, maybe the first half or so, um, it's an origin story. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you don't really see Superman in the blue and red suit until like quite a bit into the movie. but it's not just an origin story. Yeah, so he does become Superman. We do see his adventures in Metropolis. And yes, we do see Superman save Lois Lane multiple times. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, so there is that. that that's that's the, the basics of it. Uh, Lex Luthor is the main villain of the movie. And uh, Jimmy Olsen is in there. Uh, Perry White is in there. So, yeah, the, the Daily Planet is very uh-huh. significant in the movie. Um, the main conflict uh, with Superman and Lex Luthor is based on two powerful missiles being launched simultaneously, one heading to the East Coast, one heading to the West Coast. And um, the dilemma is which missile does Superman have to stop first? Um, and is he able to stop both of them? Mm-hmm. Because just one of these missiles going off could have catastrophic ev- effects. Dun, dun, dun. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's the framework there. Uh, so, yeah, let me talk about these two scenes uh, that were in the special edition but not in the original cut. What were they? So uh, one was pretty cool. Uh, the first time 
Superman meets Lex Luthor. Uh, in the original cut, uh, Superman breaks into Luthor's underground lair, right? He kind of just, he spins super fast, drills himself into the pavement, and boom, right into Luthor's lair. Um, in the special edition, it's a little more than that. He drills himself down, and then there's a series of, like, danger rooms that Superman has to get through to get to Lex Luthor. Mm-hmm. Pretty cool. Like, there's... Uh, a machine gun room, there's a fire room, and there's an ice room, yeah? And Superman has to use his superpowers to get through them, uh, which he does to eventually get to Lex Luthor, yeah? Um, That whole sequence was omitted from the original cut. Um, Not sure why. It's really cool, and, you know, like I said, the first half or so of the movie is an origin story, um, uh, I'd be curious to see your take on that part of it when you see it, Perfirio, because uh-huh. some might see it as a little boring. Like, we don't see Superman. There's no supervillains. There's not a lot of action, you know? Um, I think it's great. It's great, like, character development and um, just kind of timeless filmmaking. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, a little slow. So the fact that they had this cool little action scene right before Superman first first meets Lex Luthor, pretty cool. Um, and the fact that they took it out was like less action than there already was in the movie. So I think it was a cool addition for the special edition. For for the Superman movie, is yeah. it black and white or in color? Oh, wow. The, the fact that you're asking me this is just like mind-blowing. Um, but yes, it is in color. Okay. Fear not. You're not going to have to watch a black <laughs> and white movie here. Uh, but actually, I understand why you might say that because there were... Um, versions of Superman, live-action Superman, uh, that were in black and white previous to to the, to this one. So I mean, this wasn't like the first DC live-action thing ever, right? There was a previous Superman in black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So wait, one more question. Who, yeah. Who was the Superman? Who was the actor? Uh, the actor is uh, Christopher Reeve. Okay, because I'm trying to think which... I remember seeing a I Love Lucy episode, and I think it was Christopher Reeves that was in it as Superman. Cause, oh, okay. But I don't I don't know which um, one it was. And so that most likely was not Christopher Reeve. Um, I, that was the, the black and white Superman, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Okay, that's yeah. why I'm asking, because I don't know my Superman yeah, movies. Yeah, there you go. Uh-huh. Um, so... And feel free to ask. I'm, okay. you know. <laughs> okay, continue. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, like I said, feel free to ask as I'm going through. But uh, yeah. yes, so the, the second scene, I, I wanted to talk about the second scene because it's uh, pretty significant. I think uh, that little danger room thing with Lex Luthor, that was kind of cool, um, but not like critical to the movie. Um, and I guess, look, uh, neither of these scenes are critical to the movie because the original cut is awesome and it's super beloved to me um and it it's uh it's great as it is um but uh yeah i I was really i was really pleasantly surprised by this special edition because i found that uh, these two scenes um were were not like just total fluff It, it wasn't like 
Han Solo and Jabba the Hutt in <laughs> in A New Hope. It wasn't that kind of bullshit, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they were actually worthwhile scenes, particularly this one. So the second one was a scene in the Fortress of Solitude where Superman is talking to his biological father, Jor-El. And the conversation revolves about uh, revolves around secret identity. So the 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 question comes up, why does Superman need a secret identity? This is like a great question, you know? Um, and I thought it was answered really well. So, yeah, again, the question is, why does Superman need a secret identity? Why doesn't Superman just be Superman all the time? Why does he even bother being Clark Kent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so jor gives a very straightforward two-part answer, right? There are two reasons, two key reasons. Number one is the reason you might think, right? Think Spider-Man. Why does Spider-Man have a secret identity? Why does he keep Peter Parker separate from Spider-Man? Well, we all know it's to protect the people he loves, right? It's to protect Aunt May, to protect Mary Jane, all these people, right? Mm -hmm. And Jor-El says these exact things, right? He says, um, if you want to protect the people you love, you have to keep Superman separate from Clark Kent, right? So it's very valid. And the second point, too, is valid and pretty interesting. So he says the second big reason why you have to have a secret identity is because if you're Superman all the time, the people of Earth will come to rely on you. And more than that, they may even expect you to do things that they themselves can do. So over time, Jor-El is basically saying that humans will just get complacent and it's like, oh, just let let Superman handle yeah. it. And it was kind of a negative outlook on human civilization almost, right? He's saying that you need to keep humans in check. You need to be Superman part-time mm-hmm. because if you're Superman full-time, they'll just get lazy and they'll just like rely on you for everything, right? Pretty interesting take on Superman, right? Yeah. Um, because in my mind, Superman's always about like doing whatever he needs to be there for the people of Earth, right? He's, a, he's from Krypton, but Earth is his home now, and and there is a certain love for human beings, and um, you know he wants to do everything he can to protect humans, right? Um, but it never occurred to me that like he would purposefully not be Superman for certain periods because that could have a negative effect on. Mm-hmm on us yeah. human beings, right? So it's, it's just, yeah, that, that was a real interesting take. And uh, I, I love that kind of stuff. You know, why why do superheroes have secret identities? It, it's a really deep kind of question, right? A lot of the MCU heroes, they don't have secret identities, right? The whole, like, I am Iron Man, right? Yeah. They're sort of dispelling this this thought of superheroes needing to have secret identities. But it, it brings to light, like, oh, why in the first place do certain superheroes have secret identities? And, um, like, this scene is, is a nice little exploration into that, yeah? Um, so, yeah, before I move on, um, what do you think? Like, 
this this whole idea of superheroes and super and secret identities um like do you do you think a that like what Jorel is saying here is that valid and like what are your own thoughts about secret identities i think it is valid i think um you know obviously yeah they need secret identities to protect the ones they love like Spider-Man, for example protect aunt may and mary jane like you said um and the second point i do think so um because i mean like if you look at marvel with like tony stark he's always iron man yeah and the government kind of like relies on him to do a lot of stuff like oh you're iron man you need to be put in check also like you could be too powerful yeah um and so there's always like this like constant like watch on him and yeah and then they also think like at any moment he could turn on us you know yeah with his um with his tech technology yeah him captain america hulk there's always like this like constant eye on them and i think with superman it just makes sense to kind of like we said have it part-time yeah yeah that's a good example tony stark like tony stark is quite tortured you know on a few levels like he was alcoholic mm-hmm. and um you know he deals with a lot of ptsd you know i think a lot of that does stem from the fact that he's Iron Man 24-7, right? Yeah. And everyone knows it, right? He's vulnerable. And, um, yeah, there, it does it does sort of bring to light the benefits of having a secret identity, right? Mm-hmm. Look at, you know, uh, the Peter Parker in the MCU. You know, not so much like past tortured Peter Parkers we've seen in the comics and other movies. But in the MCU, the Peter Parker we see is very happy-go-lucky, fun-loving. And there's a reason for that because he gets to be Peter Parker. He gets to not be Spider-Man a lot of his life, right? He can be his his friend Ned's best friend. Um, he gets to go on field trips and stuff, you know. And, um, yeah, so... I, that that uh, kind of solidifies what we're talking about. Exactly. There, there is benefit to a secret identity. Mm-hmm. Okay, so moving on, just a little bit more on Superman the movie. Um, again, I love this movie. Um, this movie, I think, has yeah, I think pretty definitively, it has the best superhero movie score ever. The John Williams score for this movie is amazing. And um, it brings so much to the movie. From the opening credits throughout the movie to the closing credits, it's just wonderful. Um, John Williams really is known more for his Star Wars movie scores. Um, But uh, this work should not be... um, uh, you know, it should be known. <laughs> I mean, people should know about this because it's 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 uh, it's really something else. Um, yeah, I I can't say enough about uh, about the movie score. Mm-hmm. Um, performances, yeah. The you know I talked a little bit about um, Christopher Reeve, the actor Christopher Reeve. Mm-hmm. Reeve he played Superman and Clark Kent in this movie. He's great. He is the ultimate Boy Scout in this movie. 
he is what Superman really should be, I think. You know, th- this is, I mean, okay, th- there there have been a lot of different Superman versions through the decades. Superman has been around a long time, right? Uh, so there have been different portrayals of him in movies, TV, and comics. Um, but, uh, I mean, to me, this is the definitive Superman. This is the anti-Henry Cavill Superman, <laughs> you know, this Superman smiles. He enjoys being Superman. And he is, uh, he has this honesty to him. You know, like I said, he's the ultimate Boy Scout. And, um, you know, not only does he save Lois Lane, uh, but he, he, uh, he steals your heart. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he does. He does steal your heart. Uh, but I was going to mention, he does little things like he saves a little girl's cat out of a tree. He does this. This does happen in the movie. Um, so there is that um, wholesomeness to this role. And um, Christopher Reeve really uh, personifies that. He embodies it, and it's really great. Um, but... Uh, even better, I would say, is the performance from Gene Hackman as Lex Luthor. Uh, we talked a lot about, you know, a superhero movie. To be truly great, it has to have a great villain. Yeah, and um, look no further here. Uh, the Lex Luthor in this movie is so great. Um, not only is he a criminal genius, um, but it is... Uh, a great comedic performance too. He's super funny in this movie. Um, and it's almost needed because the Superman role, like I've been saying, is uh, very honest, very wholesome, and a little square, you know? Um, it needed to have a little edge, and we get that from the villain. The, fil- the villain is super sarcastic, he's funny, and he is, he's very evil too, you know? It's, it's not just a, uh, um, a light-hearted villain. You know, he, he is funny, yes, but uh, he's also essentially a mass murderer, or at least he's attempting mass murder, yeah? Um, so it's a, it's a home run of a performance. I can't say enough about uh, Gene Hackman here. So he does better job than Jesse Eisenberg? <laughs> <laughs> better than Jesse Eisenberg, certainly better than Kevin Spacey in Superman Returns. Uh, this is the definitive Lex Luthor performance, no question. <laughs> okay, I think that's about it for Superman. Um, we were talking about how we wanted to have nothing but love um, for DC. Uh, but, you know, I, to have a comprehensive review of Superman, I did want to call out just the, the couple slightly negative things I had about the movie. Um, if you do watch this movie, Preferio, you will probably wonder like many have wondered, why in Lex Luthor's posse does he have this guy Otis? So Otis is uh, one of two henchmen for Lex Luthor, right? Mm-hmm. The other is Miss Tessmacher. Miss um, Tessmacher is very capable. Um, she She's like, she actually adds value to the team, right? This guy Otis is a buffoon he is an idiot 
and he really doesn't bring anything to the table. <laughs> you know, uh, uh, on an entertainment level, he's, he's, he's a goofball. He's funny to watch, right? But just, you know, thinking from Luther's perspective, like, why would you have this guy on your team? He's, he's nothing but a detriment. Uh-huh. <laughs> and he, in fact, during the movie, he does shit that, like, is, like, is not helpful at all to Luther. And you really got to wonder why this guy is here in the first place. So <laughs> it, it really stands out. Like like watching this again, I'm like, why is this guy here? Uh-huh. You know, like Lex Luthor, he's a little uh, eccentric, but he is a genius, right? Why why such such smart guy has such an idiot working for him? <laughs> I don't know. So it, it's a bit of a plot hole. And then, of course... Uh, there's the end of the movie, which since you haven't seen it, I don't want to really spoil it. Um, but let's just say the very end of the movie is so far-fetched that it just boggles the mind. <laughs> it, did, it, it by no means ruined the movie for me when I was a kid or even now. Uh, but it is probably the most ridiculous superhero movie finale Ever <laughs> is it, is is the ending that I I I heard this that there's some Superman movie where he like spins the world to reverse time is that it or that is it okay. you, you got it you got uh-huh. it yeah and um it is so ludicrous I can't even describe how ridiculous well, it is so it why, is why does he spin the world oh does should should I just watch it you should watch it but uh-huh. let's just say that um. Before he he spins the world in the other direction, uh-huh. essentially turning back time, um, he is not able to complete his saving of the world. There's one aspect to it that he doesn't quite get to, and he can't he he, he can't he, he's he can't believe it, and he, he can't take it. So in a rage, he spins around the the earth in the reverse direction, causing the earth to spin in the re- reverse direction <laughs> and cause time to go in reverse. And then he spins the earth back in the regular, regular direction, corrects what he needs to correct, and uh, everyone's happy. Yay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I heard that's like a very ludicrous ending, but, yeah. but I don't know. I guess like, I have to check it out myself. Yeah, I mean... Maybe from the perspective that this movie is not really realistic in <laughs> most ways, you can kind of accept something like this. Like, it's it's not a Marvel movie, okay? Like, uh, we've talked a lot about how Marvel Studios movies are great because they're grounded in reality. We can relate to the characters and everything. This is a different kind of movie. Um, this is uh, more fantasy, yeah? Um, but even that said, and even the fact that we see an alien from a different planet fly through the sky, have super strength and x-ray vision and all this stuff, um, even all after all that, the ending does really make you wonder. <laughs> it's a head-scratcher. Let's uh, put it that way. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so... Um, yeah, we'll leave it there. Um, so why don't we get into Shazam now? We can maybe in a wrap up do 
something of a, a rating or uh-huh. a, a final word. Um, but yeah, I've been going on and on with Superman for a bit. Let's let's uh, shift gears to Shazam. Let's talk Shazam. We'll, we'll fast forward from the year 1978 to boom, current year. 2019 41 years later dc movies are alive and kicking shazam was well received and you saw it i did not see it so i am very curious about your view yeah of this film let's hear it for you so i saw shazam like two weeks before it actually came out um i went to go watch it at a fandango screening and you know i figured it's a comic book movie i'm just gonna go watch it because it's a comic book movie yeah i had like little to no expectation to how for how much i was gonna like it mm-hmm. um did you have you seen the trailer to shazam i did and what, yes. do you, what, what do you think of the movie based off the trailer so after watching the trailer i think i watched the first two trailers for shazam and um, I had zero interest in watching this movie. Um, the trailers were just made made me like almost hate the movie. I'm like, this looks terrible. Yeah, you know. Yeah. Did you have a similar I reaction? I was on the very same boat. Okay. I was like, you know, just being a DC <laughs> DC hater, I was like, I don't care for this movie. The yeah. trailer came out, I think, last year during San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. And I was like, this movie i have little care for it okay but whatever um my friend i went with christian to go watch it who's a big dc fan Mm -hmm. i went with him i was like well let's just go watch it just because it's a comic book film yeah and i was blown away how much i really liked it Ah. it was the trailer does zero justice for how the movie is okay wow um like you, you, if you watch a trailer, you'll think, oh, man, this movie is going to be like a kid-friendly movie that totally just tries to put in, like, a joke every now and then just for a cheap laugh. The movie does that without a doubt, but it does so much more. It, it, um, there's a lot of serious moments within the film that just makes it so realistic Because I think, like, what we both said, what makes a superhero movie good is how these movies can be so relatable to the character and everything. Like, I guess that's why we've, like, I guess, bash on, like, Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, because it's, like, stuff we can relate to. Like, we can relate to those characters. And you can't relate to Shazam, but his alter ego, Billy Billy Badison, the 12-year-old boy. Yeah. You can relate to him on so many levels, mm. and I think that's how how Shazam gets to you. Ah, uh, okay. Uh-huh. So, for those that know don't know the plot, Billy Batterson, he's this like teenage boy, probably like fifteen, sixteen. He's in the foster care system, and he's trying to find his mom. And along the way, he kind of meets this ancient wizard who's kind of like desperate to kind of get rid of his powers to save the world from the seven deadly sins. The Mm -hmm. seven deadly sins are like these like villains within the movie that wreck habit onto earth. And he needs someone to kind of like carry up the mantle of being Shazam. Okay. And so 
he gives the, his powers to Billy. And if Billy says that one word, Shazam, he turns into this Superman-like hero who can fly, has superhuman strength, is bulletproof and everything. And yeah, you know, at the top of your head, you're thinking, this is stupid. How <laughs> is this like teenage kid going to save the world, you know? Because, you know, he has this adult body that is played by, um, oh, what's his name? It's like uh, oh, yeah. uh zachary levi zachary levi yeah. yeah and you know let me just before i move along zachary levi does such amazing job as playing a little kid mm. like i think he does a better job being a little kid than the actual actor <laughs> okay like, he's just really funny and hilarious oh, wow. but you gotta think like how is this 12 year old boy gonna save the world because throughout the movie um him and his his foster brother they go and try to figure out like what his superpowers are what they could do as now that he billy's an adult like yeah. so he charges phones with his lightning power he skips school because he could yeah he goes to a freaking grocery store and is like i want some of your finest beer <laughs> because yeah. he doesn't need to show id or anything right, so it's right. just like <laughs> he's so stupid <laughs> um but like I said, he's he's a foster kid. And so I think just because being like a foster kid alone, like there is some moments within the movie that just get really real mm-hmm. about unveiling his past and everything. And and then his foster brother, um, his name is Freddy. He is a disabled kid who relies on crutches to walk around and stuff. There's also a moment where he talks, gets real about his disability and kind of like confronts Billy about like, you're really like able-bodied and you could do all this stuff. Like, look at me, look what I could do. And so there's like this, all these like moments that just get like really real, real mm-hmm. fast. Mm-hmm. And so Shazam kind of gets this perfect formula all set up about being like, it has the funny moments like a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. It tones it down the darker side of it from like previous DC movies like BVS, Man of Steel, but it's not afraid to get realistic and it does it so naturally that you kind of, you can really enjoy it. Okay. Uh huh. How about that? Uh, yeah. I mean, like I actually, you remember those um, reviews that I did last year for Infinity War? Like, the lead up to it oh yeah yeah i actually made one for shazam so this is like one my first for a dc movie okay and not part of the i guess now end game countdown okay um but i just had nothing but love for oh, this movie. so you enjoyed the movie so much you felt compelled to write a full-on review yeah for it. okay that's uh-huh. interesting yeah cool and let me ask you this so in the trailers it implied that when Billy Batson became Shazam, he was always Shazam. Now, does he go back to being the the kid? Yeah, I mean, so he he fluctuates from being Billy and Shazam. Yeah, exactly. The movie. Okay, exactly. Like he could turn from Billy to Shazam by just saying the word. Shazam. Okay, right. Uh-huh. So, yeah, that's uh, my understanding from the comics. Um, but yeah, it implied in the trailer that once he got his powers, he was always Shazam. But okay, that's that's good to hear that they're 
staying faithful to the source material uh-huh. and uh, pretty interesting. Yeah. And I think this movie, I think like it's only been out for two weeks, but I think it's going to take off like Deadpool. And what mm-hmm. I mean by that is like, you know, everybody knew who Deadpool was prior before the movie came out. But once the movie came out, everything merchandise was Deadpool. Like there mm-hmm. were so many Deadpool comics that were released. There were talks of like a sequel already being made, an animated show for Deadpool. I feel like Shazam will get the same thing. Like everybody kind of knows who Shazam is. Um, but I feel like after this movie that there's going to be just a lot of merchandise be be sent out there about mm. Shazam. Especially since right now Warner Brothers wants to like I feel like wants to replace Superman and they totally could with Shazam. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like right now they're extending universe with um, Henry leaving the role as Superman yeah like they could totally go forward without having the dc universe be like batman or superman as the face they could totally move forward with either aquaman wonder woman and now shazam mm. well there you have it uh-huh. um yeah i haven't followed the uh the box office numbers too closely but it seems like it's been doing well so I was I brought I bring this up because I I do see what you're saying about how the the profile of the Shazam character will certainly be heightened from this movie, um, but I still think with this character we're dealing with you know maybe a bit of the minor leagues you know mm-hmm. certainly not to the level of the Marvel Studios characters um, and you bring up Deadpool maybe not even on the Deadpool level. Um, I think Shazam has a ways to go before no, yeah. it becomes a household name. Mm-hmm. Um, not to say that uh, this movie shouldn't be regarded as a success for DC, um, but I don't think it's the the worldwide phenomenon that we've seen with other characters. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, I know when Endgame comes out, that will just wipe all other movies off the screen you know for like at least a month (laughs) yeah um you know we still have a few weeks well a couple weeks until then uh so i think shazam can uh, build up some box office in the meantime um but uh yeah i think uh in terms of the almighty dollar uh this isn't quite uh you know MCU level type stuff, much less Deadpool slash Wonder Woman, you know. Uh, so, yeah, for for all its uh, critical acclaim, I don't think tons and tons of people are watching this movie. Um, so it sounds like people should though. It should right? definitely should. <laughs> yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I felt the same way after Spider Verse. You know, great, great movie. Ultimately. Not huge box office. I think now that it's available on video, um, the world is really discovering Miles Morales, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think Shazam might be in that boat too where, you know, after seeing Spider-Verse, I'm like, everyone should see this movie. This mm-hmm. is amazing. And people were, just weren't really seeing it. And, um, you know, as much as I love the movies of Marvel Studios, I'm like, uh, there's other superhero shit 
that's good. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there certainly is. And uh, that's kind of a good theme for uh, for today, right? These two movies, Superman and Shazam, 40 years apart, but nicely bookending uh, the realm of DC movies. Um, we both got a lot out of these two movies. Uh, there are movies... Uh, Scattered throughout the years, the decades, uh, that we highly enjoyed as well. Um, but yeah, the the DC movie universe has a lot to offer. And, you know, I think I kind of cut you off, but any um, any other thoughts on Shazam? Um, no, just you should really check it out. <laughs> cool. I do intend on watching it uh-huh. uh, eventually, for sure. Uh, so we often do ratings for our movie reviews. You want to do that here? Yeah, sure. Yeah, you want to um, mm-hmm. give a rating for Shazam? Yeah, Shazam, um, for me, I grade out of a scale of a 10, so I would, I give Shazam a 9. Oh, wow. Uh-huh. Okay. I, high praise. Yeah, I liked it a lot better than Captain Marvel, actually. Yeah. So that's a first, DC over Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought? I've heard that a lot, you know. And it is interesting that Shazam and Captain Marvel are in the theaters at the same time because in the comics, Shazam was previously known as Captain Marvel. Yeah. Right? So uh-huh. it's super confusing, right? Yeah, I don't know the history behind it. I asked Christian because he's the DC fan. Yeah. Um, I mean, do you, do you know the history? Because I don't want to say something wrong and then look like an idiot. Yeah, I, I know a little bit. In fact, where I saw Captain Marvel, the Alamo Draft House, in the pre-movie videos, they do a little summary of like the history of Captain Marvel. So they do go through it a bit, and it's super complicated. Yeah, it's, it's very complex. Uh, I don't think Shazam became like officially Shazam until like. 15 years ago yeah it was more recent very recent yeah Uh yeah yeah it it was kind of this copyright battle for a while yeah and um finally dc was just like okay let's just call him shazam everyone kind of calls him shazam anyway so Uh let's just go with that but i think how it went down was he was originally known as captain marvel yeah and um then I think there's a period where they weren't publishing Captain Marvel comics, and that's when I think it was Stan Lee who was actually like, "Hey, we have an opportunity to sort of grab that license. Like, we mm-hmm. can use that name." And they made their own Captain Marvel. And to add to the confusion in Marvel comics, for a while, Captain Marvel wasn't that popular a character, but they wanted to retain. The name, so they just ch- kept churning out different Captain Marvels, <laughs> and this was not the Captain Marvel like Brie Larson's Captain. Yeah, Marvel. it was like this a was, guy. This it was, was a dude. Yeah, this was a guy Captain Marvel. Yeah, and there were multiple dude Captain Marvels that just didn't quite f- work, um, and uh, fortunately, they really um, kind of uh, uh, hit success with the female. Uh, Carol Danvers yeah. in Captain Marvel. Um, and um, and DC decided, okay, yeah, let's just call him Shazam. <laughs> <laughs> so, and another uh, point of confusion is, you know, you if you compare uh, superheroes, uh, Marvel versus DC, Captain Marvel 
probably most closely resembles Supergirl, you know, Marvel to DC, right? Mm -hmm. And Supergirl's name is Kara Danvers. You know, oh, are really? you aware of this? I did not know this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so um, another super confusing thing where, um, yeah, it, it's it's already super complicated, this whole, like, DC and Marvel intertwining of the uh, of the um, Captain Marvel character, um, but yeah, for some reason, uh, the, the the secret identities are super <laughs> close too. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, uh, there's Carol Danvers in uh, Marvel, and then there's Kara Danvers in. Uh, DC. So, how do you like that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, okay, so uh, finally, uh, my rating for uh, Superman. Uh, so, yeah, I mentioned how I watched the, the special edition recently, and it definitely um, had some added value with the additional footage. Um, I'm not going to distinguish the two a whole lot I'm, I'm gonna say they're equal um you know there's nothing like the original um it's uh, a masterpiece on so many levels um the special edition does have some some valuable extra scenes um that didn't really take away from the experience so i'm, I'm kind of putting i'm, I'm basically what i'm saying it's like i'm i'm categorizing them as kind of the same you know, I'm not saying, you know, you have to see one or the other. They're sort of in the same ballpark. And I'm giving Superman the movie a nine as well. Cool. Yeah. And this is super high praise because I rarely, rarely, rarely give a superhero movie higher than an eight. I know. That's what I was going to say. Right? Like, based off all of the movie reviews we've ever done, I don't think I've ever heard you give, like, a nine or a ten. There are... A few uh, very rare moments where I will uh -huh. go there. And I was just thinking about this. Like, have I ever done this? I have. Um, but uh, it's really just three movies. So I think today uh -huh. I can definitively say that I have three movies that are, In to me, the uh -huh. greatest superhero movies ever made. Wait, let me try to guess. Yeah. So there's the first Avenger? Uh, that is not among... No. These three, no. Okay. Winter Soldier. Yes. I know that one for sure. That's in there. Um, yeah, that's hot. Okay. Yeah, the, yeah, the third one might be a little tricky. It's uh -huh. the first Raimi Spider-Man. Oh, okay. Yeah, uh -huh. Spider-Man 1. Um, so I can say right now that those are my top three. Um, number one is Cap 2, Captain America, the Winter Soldier. That is easily my favorite superhero movie ever. I did watch it again recently in preparation for Endgame. And to get in the mood. It's just, it's perfect. Yeah. <laughs> it's just perfect. You know, I can't say enough. Um, in terms of two and three, hard for me to say. I, right now, I'll give it a tie to Superman the movie and Spider-Man 1. We'll leave it there. But look, if that's not saying a lot, I don't know what does. <laughs> I'm putting a DC movie among 
the three greatest superhero movies of all time. Okay, this is like the ultimate, the ultimate Marvel head here, dude. <laughs> so, um, like we've been saying, love, love, love for DC here, and uh, a li- just a little bit more. Um, a pretty special aspect to Superman the movie is in the opening credits. Uh, we see the credit Superman created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster. Now, this is pretty commonplace in superhero movies now, right? We see um, the Avengers created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. You know, all these uh, creators are mm-hmm. given credit. Uh, prior to Superman the movie, this was not a thing. And the movie was nearly made without giving the creators any credit. It has to be called out that the, the great comics creator, Neil Adams, is wholly responsible for getting the Superman creators credit in this movie. And maybe more importantly, uh, he got them a pension. Uh, they were very poor at the time of this movie's release and he really helped them out. And it really paved the way for giving respect and credit to these great comics creators. Um, So um, if you do see this movie, watch for that credit in the beginning of the movie. Um, It's kind of an important movie in comics, uh, an an important moment in comics history when Siegel and Schuster are called out in the opening credits of Superman. It's very cool. and just kind of on a fun note, uh, you know, I've mentioned how Superman the movie has been super influential to me, but I'm not alone here. You know, um, a couple movies that we did mention earlier, the Wonder Woman movie and the Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie, um, they shout out Superman the movie. So there's a scene in Wonder Woman, uh, sort of earlier, halfway-ish into the movie, uh, where... Steve Trevor and uh, Wonder Woman are are in an alley where uh, uh, these uh, criminals basically cr- try to kill them. They shoot them, and Wonder Woman uses her her bracelets to mm. to protect them. Right, that scene is almost a shot by shot remake of a scene in Superman the movie. So uh, watch for that okay. when you see it. And in uh, Spider-Man 1, uh, there's a moment right after Spider-Man saves Mary Jane from the Green Goblin. He's about to leave, and she says, wait, who are you? And that is a direct line from Superman the movie also. So um, some pretty cool homages to the movie. And again, it reflects the influence of, of this film. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so uh, we're getting a little long on time here. Any last thoughts about Shazam, Superman, or anything DC, Perferio? Um, I mean, for me personally, I've been. It's been a good re- revelation for me talking DC. Like, you know, if you asked me like junior high or high school to do DC review, I would have been like. Screw DC. Part of, <laughs> part of that fanboy is like, I hate DC. Everything DC. But it's like what you said earlier. It's important to just kind of like stop that division and just show love to every everything. You know. 
Yeah, well put, well put. <laughs> and um, I know previously, and I think just earlier today, you referred to yourself as a DC hater. I mean, that's a pretty strong statement. And I know in the past uh, you've had some negative things to say, and, and you know, yeah. in your earlier years, it sounds like you definitely were a hater. Now, after all this, you know, after Wonder Woman, after Shazam, after a lot of this cool stuff you've been seeing, do you still consider yourself a DC hater? Not hater. That you're right. That's a strong word. <laughs> okay. More of like DC is going to be a step smaller than Marvel. Yeah. But still, it's going to be fun. I mean, th- it's a whole new world to explore. Like, I'm excited to check out this Superman movie, just because I love superhero films. And yeah. Just because it's branded DC or Marvel doesn't mean it's not a superhero film. So. Yeah. So well, I'm excited to check out this new new experience for me. <laughs> there you go. And how about that world? Porfirio is no longer a DC hater. No. <laughs> how about that? And I myself, I never went so far as to say I was a DC hater. I had my moments, you know. I think I gave BVS my shittiest movie of the year (laughs) in 2016 and i talked a lot of shit about man of steel and suicide squad and justice league and i mean shoot you go back to batman and robin look i don't want to get into negative territory but (laughs) there's been a lot of bad things said about dc um but uh it's not all bad right Mm -hmm. there's a lot of gold in there too yeah uh so again from these two Marvel fanboys, uh, we love DC too. And with that, we can wrap up the episode. This is Farewell from Henry and Perfirio.